I hadn't ever maybe found my thing that I could go all in on before. So I was I felt very much like a, a generalist. I, I love being interested in many different things. Um, yeah, I've offered so many different services in the years, but this was the first time I sort of felt, oh, there's a very clear product market fit here. There's a clear rocket ship I'm strapping myself to. Like, what could that look like? The path to building a business that works is not a mysterious one. Sure, there is always some luck involved. Timing, connections, and how you show up can play a big role in whether or not you feel traction early. But the nuts and bolts of it, it's really not up for debate. There are kind of three parts. One, you create a product or service that people want because it's going to solve a problem or improve their lives. Two, you find enough people who want it and are willing to pay the right amount for it to offset the cost of business. And three, you make the methods and costs of doing business efficient, effective, and humane. Okay, sure. That is pretty reductive. But you know what? It's also true. That's how you build a business that works. The problem is that we have a tendency to fight one or more of those steps. We resist the process. We resist building the right product or service for our people. We resist going out and finding customers or clients. We resist putting an appropriate price on the work. We resist making our business operations more efficient or humane. And so things get sticky or worse. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that digs deep into what's really working to run and grow a small business today, from how we market and manage to how we prime our mindset for success. Now, I've gone through the push and pull of resisting the process of building a business that works many times. I notice it every time I feel like it's hard to make money. It's in these times that I have to look at what part of the process I'm resisting and why I'm resisting it. And it almost always comes down to feeling like I don't want to go all in on what I'm working at. Maybe I don't want to go all in on the product I'm building. Maybe I don't want to go all in on the way I'm building a customer base. Maybe I don't want to go all in on how we're operating or the systems we're using to do business. The problem is not wanting to go all in on any single part of the process creates friction and makes it harder to make money. This week, we're taking a look at what happens when you're able to go all in on every aspect of building your business, product, marketing, and operations, and how that impacts how money flows through your business. To do that, I talked with Marie Poulin. Now, Marie has been on the podcast several times now. Most recently, I spoke with her about her decision to not build a business that scales. And funnily enough, at just about the time that interview aired, things started to change for Marie. Marie found something she could go all in on. Today, Marie helps people build personal knowledge systems and helps teams organize their work and systems and knowledge on Notion. Now, once Marie found Notion and decided to go all in on training people to use that software, her path to the right product, the right marketing, and the right operations became clear, as did the path to making money with ease. 
In this conversation, Maria and I talk about how she transformed her business when she stopped resisting and found the thing she could go all in on. We talk about how the way she makes money has changed, how she's finding her customers, how it's all impacted her personal finances, and what she's investing in now that her business is growing with ease. Now, let's find out what works for Marie Poulin. Marie Poulin, welcome back to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so now the last time you were on the show, which was not actually all that long ago, uh, we were talking about scaling. And in fact, we were talking about your intentional decision not to really focus on scaling your hybrid uh, service and software business. But your business has gone through quite a change since then. Can you kind of get us up to speed on what's changed and kind of how you're doing business today? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember when it was that we talked exactly, but I'd say back in about August, September, I did a webinar on how I was using Notion in my business. And I feel like uh, there's almost a moment like before Notion, after Notion that I can actually pinpoint in the year. And so as soon as I did that webinar uh, and started doing uh, office hours for Notion, everything everything in my business changed pretty much within a couple of weeks. And around the same time, my husband got a job offer. So like our business really did change for both of us almost overnight in the mm-hmm. fall. And um, I would say today, almost 90% of my time now has shifted toward Notion related activities. Uh, so again, working with a software that's not even our own. So it's kind of unexpected that, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing now and where most of my revenue is coming in uh, it is completely different than it was a year ago. Totally different. That's amazing. So uh, let's let's get a better idea of what that actually looks like. What kinds of things are you selling that are Notion related today? Yeah. So consulting for teams to learn how to use Notion to get more organized, uh, personal knowledge management systems, just helping people get more organized behind the scenes with their own organizational systems and uh, productivity systems. So in about October uh, is when I started selling a course. So I piloted a course, Notion Mastery, and uh, the pilot did so well and the response was so well received. And I was like, okay, clearly there's something here. I need to double down on this. Started a YouTube channel. I was doing the office hours. So I was just kind of consistently putting out content in a way that I hadn't in a while. It was, mm-hmm. it had become a little easier. I think before, um, you know, having a software in the online course space and, and, attracting a lot of people who I think felt like an online course was going to fix their business. I actually developed my own resistance to talking about the software. So that was kind Mm. of complicated, right? It's like, yes, I have a software for course creators, but I also don't want people to think that just creating an online course is going to save their business. So I, I struggled to market it. I struggled to talk about it. And I I didn't want to double down on it. Neither did Ben. So that's, that's kind of complicated. You know, when you have a software that you're like, like felt proud about the software itself, but maybe not about the industry or the conversations it was opening up, which was a little yeah. weird. Um, so it became so much easier to talk about this other tool that was changing my life in all these different ways. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more. Uh, so there's so much that I want to dig into, but tell us more what, what happened with YouTube, because I think that's probably a place um, where I know revenue is coming in for you that, that is probably pretty unexpected for most people. 
Yeah. And I mean, I can say I, I never in a million years would have thought like, oh, YouTube is a channel that I would ever put energy into or double down on, you know, being on video and, and putting myself out there uh, definitely was not something appealing to me. It, it definitely took <laughs> took some courage to get the guts, I think, even to push publish that first time. But I was getting so many questions. And, you know, again, Notion such an open ended tool, you can do so much with it that uh, I was getting so many questions. And I, I think sharing your screen and kind of talking through why you're doing certain mm -hmm. things naturally made sense, I think, to do in a video format. So I started putting out those videos and very, very quickly, uh, the, the engagement, the response, the traffic uh, was very noticeable. And so, you know, I had other people saying, oh, like first, Step number one, go binge watch Marie's videos. I'm like, oh, I got to keep making these, right? So That's it, what I tell yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, I so just told a whole group on, uh, what was it, Tuesday. I was talking about Notion. And I said, you just go get started. Google Marie, pull in YouTube. It'll be fine. <laughs> when you start getting you know, friends of yours that are not connected through business being like, I, I Googled your name and you know you popped up with, with Notion. So just being associated with the tool uh, you know, again, it wasn't expected, but it was the easiest way, I think, to share what I was doing and to share what I was learning. And so the more that I put videos out, the more questions you get asked and the more content, it, it becomes easier and easier to create that content to answer those questions. So um, and then between that and the office hours, it was, you know, every week there was basically two videos. So people were kind of seeing me twice and it, I think, felt like I was everywhere, um, even though. You know, behind the scenes, maybe it didn't feel that way, but everyone's like, oh, I just, I see your face everywhere. You're talking about this stuff everywhere. Um, so I really doubled down on it. And I was like, well, fine. Like if I'm, let's do this, let's double down on it. Let's see what can happen if I go all in on something. Cause I, I hadn't ever maybe found my thing that I could go all in on before. Mm. So I was, I felt very much like a, a generalist. I, I love being interested in many different things. Um, I've offered so many different services in the years but this was the first time I sort of felt, oh, there's a very clear uh, product market fit here. There's a clear rocket ship I'm strapping myself to. Like, what could that look like? I love that. So can you tell us how how specifically are you generating money from YouTube? Maybe if you could start with the most direct ways, like, yeah. are you making money from advertising? I know there's a tip jar. And then yeah. kind of zoom out from there to the the less direct ways. Yeah. So the first thing I did was made a set of templates. Uh, I think it was plan your year templates. And I just offered those as a pay what you want link in one video. So I made one video that was how to plan your year in Notion. And then of course, you know, anytime you mention a template or show a template in the video, people want access to it and just did it as a pay what you want link through Gumroad. And uh, I think that brought in $3,000 in a month or two, not, not a ton, oh my word. enough that for like a pay what you want resource, pe you know, people could have put $5 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so between that, and then I also dropped in a link to a buy me, buy me a coffee, buymeacoffee.com mm -hmm. uh, and dropped those into a couple of videos as well. And I started getting, you know, sometimes people would buy me 10 coffees and be like, this was awesome. This changed everything. Woohoo. And so it's, it's not a ton of money, but a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there just start trickling in and people were legitimately so grateful and, and so excited. And they were happy to give a little something back because something I did saved them time or whatever. So I was like, okay, there's some revenue potential here. 
year. My course was still in beta um, and I wasn't really sure, like, how do I sell this course? It's still in progress and there's still so much to add to it. And the more that I'm working with people, the more that I see how much is missing, like there's just so much possibility, I think, with a tool that is so open-ended like that, applying it to all these different use cases, I feel like it could be a forever job. Um, but so I decided to open up the course, even though it wasn't finished. And I just positioned it as such. I just said, you know, it's 90, 90, 95% of the way there. But if you want to be part of that early group, here's a link to it. And so I, I was testing the link only in a couple videos. So I, I don't advertise it widely. I don't uh, drive traffic there. I don't really promote it. It is now linked on my website for a while. It, it actually wasn't. You had to kind of have found the link you know, and signed up for my list and found the tiny little PS, I have a course link. Uh, and people were still finding it and still buying it. So I was like, well, I'm just going to open it up a little bit more widely. I'm going to casually mention it in videos and say, oh, I teach a course on this. And um, even in office hours, they said, no problem. I'm allowed to kind of mention my products and services. So the course far exceeds now what I make with client client work. So I'm at the point now where like it doesn't make financial sense to continue working with clients on the sort of strategy and web design projects, I'm like, okay, it's time to clearly double down on the course and consult and course and consulting bundled. So okay. I offer the course on on its own. I mean, that still includes office hours, but the other tier is to include a, a one hour session. And this works so well. I, I always recommend this to folks that if you can kind of uh, bundle something that's a little bit more self-study along with something that is more one-on-one, -on -one, I recommend people go oh, go through the first module or, or you know section of the course, then do your one on one with me. That way, we can focus on your specific use case and go a little bit deeper. And that pitch has been really well received, and I think that's a great way to still keep in touch with people and kind of see what people are struggling with, but have this great content library where people can kind of go through and dip in as needed. Mm, I love that. We're actually, I just sent an email to a potential Yellow House client yesterday saying, okay, we're not offering the service that you are looking for anymore. We're at capacity, but I want to bundle it or I want to turn it into a DIY thing, which we're basically ready to do. I just need to like plug it in yeah. to Notion <laughs> in the right places. <laughs> it's a dashboard with, with content built into it. Um, and then we can do a strategy session on top yeah. of that. So instead of a half day kind of intensive thing, which is what we used to do. Now we'll be able to do it for an hour, charge the same and, you know, it won't take up as much of our time and they'll have a better, like they may actually get something better out of it yeah. because of the way that we've bundled it up. So yeah, I'm okay. So I want to talk more about that too. Um, let's actually get into before we go there, because I want to talk about how things break down between like more passive things and more active things mm. in terms of how your revenue is coming in and what your ROI looks like. But before we get there, uh, you've mentioned office hours a couple of times. And, um, you know, I know that that's a thing that you're doing, but I don't know that everybody who listens knows that's the thing that you're doing. Yeah. So explain what office hours is and how that impacts your business. So Office Hours is a weekly live event that Notion puts on or that you know I put on for Notion that evolved out of me doing Zoom calls for people who had questions about Notion. I was just doing those for fun, for free, and just said, hey, got questions about Notion? Here's my Zoom link. And they were very casual. Uh, a couple people showed up on the first one and then 12, and then they kept growing. And uh, Notion reached out and you know said, 
hey, we love what you did with that webinar. Could we collaborate? What could that look like? And for me, uh, doing kind of in the moment chat conversation style is way easier than say pre-recording edited videos. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if, if you're cool with that kind of format, we could do that as a weekly thing. We could bring on other guests, showcase other ways people are using the tool um, and answer questions, right? It's a great way to kind of, oh, join us on the next office hours. We'll cover that in more detail. So it became a way to produce content, to kind of build network uh, for the tool, get more people kind of learning and knowing what's possible with the tool. So those became a regular weekly occurrence. And then as part of my own course, I did private office hours. So it was a chance, again, for people who've already purchased the course, maybe want to go a bit deeper on a specific use case. I do a lot of sharing there, too, of my own personal stuff. So they really get to see... Um, you know, on, on Notion's office hours, those are going to be a little bit more curated. I'm a little, I have to be a little bit more careful about what information is being shown there, make sure there's no client data. I can be a little bit more behind the scenes with with that group. Yeah. So with so you're doing the public office hours in collaboration with Notion, actually on their Crowdcast yeah. channel. And you mentioned that they were totally fine with you offering your products and services in that format. Um, I'm curious if you could just kind of get into like, what has the ROI looked like on that for you? And maybe not the specific ROI, but just how has that, how has doing that, how has that partnership translated into financial return? I mean, certainly the financial piece <clears throat> is a little hard to measure, but mm -hmm. I will say uh, like, I don't know, people didn't know who I was before in the Notion space before doing office hours. And now I get, like I get emails all the time. I will say email is now the one thing I'd like do not, I'm not on top of in my business because I get questions. I get love letters. I get thank yous. I get, you know, coffees, you know, in my inbox all the time, the customer research, the copy stocking, the, all of it is um, the networks that have opened up. I'd say the network is probably huge. Uh, people who I have followed on YouTube for years that have now been like, oh, I binge watched all your videos, right? To feel like people, people feel like they know you. And that's, yeah. a, it's a very strange, it's a very strange feeling. It's the, I think it's the first time in my career that I haven't felt imposter complex about it. Oh. Um, so some of those videos have 30,000 views, right? And, and people are like, love your stuff and, and whatever. It's, it's less weird than I thought. Like it's easy. It's easy for me to talk about the tool. It's easy for me to share different ways of applying it. I've never experienced that kind of ease before and that visibility. So that to me is a mm -hmm. whole, it's a whole new, the idea of doing live streams on YouTube and, and having fun with it is it's like, that blows my mind that, that that's even happening and that people will stay for a two hour live stream and hang out with me. Um, so there's, it's, I'm getting used to it, but the, the, network capacity, the network effects that have come from being willing to put myself out there and to kind of conquer that, that video element has been huge. And of course, yeah. I, even though I can't tie specific sales necessarily, I haven't been great about, you know, oh, which of those came from YouTube, which of them came from here. Um, there's no doubt that the people finding out about my course is usually like, oh, I went through all of your YouTube videos first and or I watched that one office hours on X and I and I knew someone told me I knew that your course, even though it was unfinished, uh, I knew it was going to be high quality because I'd seen your other content. So that's mm -hmm. that's a pretty, pretty huge 
Yeah, that is huge. I want to talk more about the ease piece uh because you wrote that to me in an email as well like things have never felt as easy and i think that it would be easy to attribute that to like being in the right place at the right time and i'm sure there's part of it that that's true yeah but there's always another layer right like there's it's not well there is an element of you know being in the right place at the right time there's always something else that allows you to be there, that allows you to seize that opportunity. Yes. So for you, what what has this opportunity tapped into, into for you personally, professionally, business-wise, that you think makes it feel so easy? What has it allowed me to tap into? Um, I think... One thing that's been nice is that I'm able to, again, like through office hours, it doesn't matter how many people buy my course private office hours is an hour a week or every other week, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the sales can kind of keep going and it's not impacting how many hours I'm working in a day or in a week. So, I mean, that's incredible. I wake up in the morning and they'll be like, oh, you you sold four courses. Like that's, it's crazy. I'm still adjusting to that new reality. So the fact that I can sell things in my sleep um, and and things that are not necessarily totally cheap, is, is pretty huge. So for me, I don't have to work more to get more sales necessarily. I need to be smarter with my marketing or I need to be, um, you know, I just choose my, choose my videos more wisely or, um, just share what I'm working on. And basically I just keep doing what I'm doing and more people are finding out about it through word of mouth and that sort of thing. So, um, I do think I've always optimized my business for ease. Like that's always been mm-hmm. the most important thing of like not wanting to create more stress or more more time working. But if I can if I can scale while having that ease, of course, that's the dream, right? Um, so I've just sort of noticed that there was an opportunity here. Um, I was very hesitant in the beginning because I, I wasn't sure how I felt about getting associated with a tool. Right? A lot of my work is yeah. strategic, right? It's strategic roadmaps was it was where most of my revenue was coming from before. So I know strategy is a big part of my work. So what does it mean if people only think of you when they think of a tool that that I did wrestle with that for sure in the beginning. But there was so much I could feel there was so much traction around this piece. And the conversations and and even the video and people writing me, I'm like, okay, there's something here that I haven't felt with any other product or service. It almost felt foolish not to at least see where like this chapter could go. Like, let, okay, let's try it. Even if it was only one chapter of my career, what could that look like? What doors would open? And so it, it was a bit of a risk to decide, all right, do I go all in on this thing? And I thought, let's try it. Let's just go all in on something and see what happens. And I'm like, all right, okay. I, I see that there's, <laughs> there is some ease here. And I think to your, to your point about timing and kind of right place, right time and recognizing opportunity, there is something to be said for, I think, partnering up with a tool or a platform or something that already has a following and you're not creating a following for yourself, right? Like even like M- Mighty Networks or something like that. It's like you're you're partnering with some something else that has its own audience too. So I think that's that was a strategic move as well. 
Notion has this huge audience. They've already got a following, a list of 4 million probably at the moment. Uh, they just got funding. So there is an element of people know about this thing. So what happens when you align with something that people already know and love? That's that's a big part of recognizing that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, that's part of, been part of my strategy for years. So whether it was Creative Live yeah. or now partnering really closely with Mighty Networks, um, yeah, so it doesn't even have to be software. It, there's all sorts of opportunities to look at, like where is there, to use a very cliche cliche word, synergy. Where is there synergy between, you know, I've got this thing, they've got this thing that I need. We both need each other. How can we grow together? And it really seems like you and Notion are growing together in many yeah. ways, which is it's very, very cool. <laughs> We'll find out more about how things have changed for Marie in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. In the old days, my business saw huge spikes and big dips in revenue from month to month. If I was launching a program, my revenue numbers would be way up. And after I was done launching, my expenses would spike as I paid out the costs of launching. Now, in between, I'd carefully balance the revenue from the program to cover the business's recurring costs each month and pay myself. And I was not great at this. But a few years ago, I ditched the launch model and started building a business model that was based on predictable recurring revenue. With predictable recurring revenue each month, I knew how to invest in our team, our growth, our ongoing education, and causes we support. How did we make the switch from the launch model to recurring revenue? We switched to Mighty Networks. The What Works Network is a paid subscription network hosted on the Mighty Networks platform. Mighty Networks has made it easy for us to provide ongoing value, events, conversations, and connections for our members, which makes it possible for them to invest in the community month after month. With the Mighty Network, you can also create predictable recurring revenue for your small business. Support your clients, bring your audience together, share your knowledge, and lead your community, all for a simple monthly or annual fee, and build a stable base for your business's revenue. Plus, you can also sell online courses and programs and add to your bottom line. To find out just how a Mighty Network could transform your business, go to MightyNetworks.com. That's Mighty Networks. Okay, so I want to come back to this question of passive versus active revenue, uh, because this, I think, is where things really start to compare like contrast with what we had just previously talked about with you, right? Where we were looking at like uh, a business that doesn't scale and doesn't scale by design. And, um, you know, that's not to say that a business that doesn't scale doesn't necessarily have leverage or ease. I think those things can absolutely exist in a business that's not scaled. But um, it really feels like you're leaning very hard into that edge around leverage and pass more passive income. I don't ever like to say passive yeah. income. It's <laughs> nothing passive about it, but more passive. <laughs> Can you kind of break down for us or compare and contrast for us the difference between 
um, the passive active split in the way you were doing business versus the passive active split in the way you're doing business today? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, obviously now, now my husband's working full time, so he's mostly out of the business. Um, so his side's a little bit different now. And on my end, I still have clients that I work with one-on-one. Uh, I, I did have to let a couple go. I had to make a couple decisions, right? I knew that my ideas would not move forward if I didn't let go of a couple clients. So that was, that was a tough, tough move. Cause I think in the past, most of my projects have been, uh, long and deep. So I work with people three, four years sometimes, and I'm, the person behind the scenes, hook, you know, like hooking everything up, strategy, marketing, whatever, like just really being um, almost like a COO a little bit. Um, and and that was very, very hands-on. But again, that, that takes up a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And I love doing that. I love helping other people grow their products and services. Um, but I wanted to do that too, right? I wanted to kind of grow my own ideas as well. And so I, I had to make space for that. But in that shift, it did require uh, working with people one-on-one, even with Notion. So even in order mm-hmm. to build a great course, I need to understand where people are getting stuck with it too. So there was definitely, you know, f- even like four or five months of just figuring out, okay, what needs to be in the course? How do I work with people? Working one-on-one, I was getting all these requests for people to say, hey, you know, can you work with my team? Can you, could three of us be on the call? Could you show us what that looks like? So there was lots of like, okay, what does a Notion consulting offer even look like? That definitely took, uh, I mean, I think I'm still even honing that right now. Like, what does that look like? Um, at the moment, because I, because the course is so well leveraged now, I'm trying to steer everyone, even teams. I'm like, oh, as part of your team engagement, you get up to three team members get access to the course. I recommend going through, you know, module one, module two, whatever, then book your first call with me. And then, you know, so again, it's, it's another way to kind of bake that value of the course into a one-on-one engagement. So it's been a lot of creative experimentation in terms of how many calls does it actually take to get someone up to speed? What are the what are the patterns I'm noticing that every team is going to need? Small teams, big teams, people like there's so many different types of teams too in industries that I don't know anything about. And I've, I've been solo for so long, right? Like I've never worked on a team bigger than four people. So I'm like, well, what does collaboration look like at scale? And I wasn't sure, like, am I the person who can help someone do that? Should I be able like, is that a thing I should do? Um, and so there was definitely a lot of questions and curiosity in that process of what's the best way that I can work with someone? How many sessions does that take? How many clients can I take on at one time? So, I mean, I've definitely been fumbling through that process over the couple of months of, you know, definitely working too much, but it was all uh, very activating energy. And it was, Ooh, this is fun. Like, okay, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Noticing where those gaps are. So, uh, at the moment, I mean, yeah, sure, nothing's really passive, but I will say, you know, core sales do come in on autopilot. I just need to add people to, uh, at the moment, I'm delivering it through Notion. That's still an experiment. I will be moving that onto Doki and then giving people, uh, I can properly do an evergreen version that's like very self-study. People can go, go and do that on their own. And then a version where it's like, join me for the office hours, get a one-on-one with me if you want bring your, get a, your couple team members on, you know, and have all of you get access to it. So I'm still experimenting with that, but there is definitely an element of the course that is truly passive, which, I mean, I've never, I've never experienced that before, really. Like, as you know, with courses, like there's always a marketing effort, there's the content creation. It's all very upfront loaded in terms of your effort. But I do feel like that now that that effort has been mostly put in, 
the return on that is incredible. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that if that properly answers kind of how much is passive or or active. I'm still kind of doing the same activities, uh, just earning a lot more money, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. That's what we're talking about this month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. So one of the the questions that I really wanted to ask you, specifically around this theme of money that we're covering this month, and this is kind of a zooming out question, is about what you've noticed change or shift or evolve around how you think about your financial needs, your financial goals, your financial expenses in how you're running the business today versus how you might have before. Okay. So I'll be totally transparent and say that a year ago, I felt very stressed about money. We both did. Um, We were still paying off our own personal debts and we, the business was doing well. We were leaving a lot of money in the business and we weren't mm-hmm. paying ourselves. We weren't paying ourselves what we would if we were working some, actually employed somewhere. Uh, for sure. sure, we were definitely underpaying ourselves and kind of hoarding it in the business. What if we get screwed on taxes? And you know, and it wasn't until probably doing the profit first method mm-hmm. of you know banking and banking strategy that it it solved so much of the stress and and the conversations that we would have about money because as you know and. In any couple, too, you have different thresholds for what is enough and what is a lot and what feels abundant and all of that. And so to me, I'd see the bank account and be like, oh, my gosh, we have so much money in there. That's amazing. And, and Ben felt more anxiety, like, I don't know, just in case, emergency. So we had very different thresholds for what feels good and what feels like success for us. And doing Profit First, we were able to build six months of salary runway, six months of expenses mm-hmm. runway. And that way, if I wanted to invest in a coaching program or I wanted to buy something, we could say, yes, we do have the money for that. We can afford that. It made those conversations a lot easier. We're able to pay off all of our, our personal debts. And so then it, we were able to transition from debt repayment to investing through the business and investing mm-hmm. on our own, learning about trading, learning about investing. So it was a big shift last year that that happened to go from feeling very scarce and like it just doesn't feel like enough to like, holy crap, what do it, it, this sounds it sounds weird to talk about, but when you have more than enough now, I'm like, how do you budget when you have more than enough? That's definitely been something that I don't know, like, should we invest that money through the business? What does that look like? Uh, all these things that I never thought I'd have to deal with because for most of my life, I've, I've felt sort of in scarcity mode. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what does that look like when you have, have more than enough? How do we decide what to pay ourselves? How do we even decide that? Uh, do we compare to what other what it would look like if we were getting hired somewhere. And then when Ben got headhunted, that again, opened up other conversations. Of, oh, what is my work worth? What, what is my sal- What should my salary be? And so his salary now is like way more than what we were paying him through the business. So suddenly he's doing very well. Suddenly I was doing really well. So our co- even concept of what is a good salary has adjusted to, it's been a total brain mind f (laughs) (laughs) so i just um it's been a process to um it has definitely changed my sort of money mindset big time there's been a lot of work that i've had to do around that of uh what do we want to do with that money where does it go how do we reinvest it reinvest it in 
other people in other communities? What does that look like? And so it's been it's been strange and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that specifically, because you have um, I mean, I know you bring that sort of permaculture, regenerative economy perspective to your life in general. I'm assuming you're bringing it into the business as well. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of what that that whole philosophy is about. So, I mean, we don't have to get into specifics, especially since I know, you know, things are in flux and evolving, but I'd love for you to kind of share, how are you thinking through what you're investing in? What are some of the things that you've spent money on maybe that you Mm. wouldn't have otherwise spent money on before? Yeah. I mean, I've been investing a lot in various coaching programs and masterminds and things like that, getting more support, uh, bringing on an assistant, um, Mm. And, and again, bringing on the assistant was just like a couple hours here or there. But then at some point I thought, um, I could use more of your time. I'm willing to pay for that time. And so, you know, is that, is that aligned with the work that you want to be doing? I know you have different clients. Could I be a, one of your bigger fish client? Could I take you on and, and kind of get more of your time and do less of all that, the little stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. that I've just been so used to doing on my own for so long. So letting go of that grip a little bit and bringing on sort of team member number one was, was really huge. And that was just, I think the relief I felt there, I think, you know, you probably know when you hire the right people, Oh, like your world opens up, right? So the brain space that might have been used for some of those things doesn't have to be used for that. And so that, and that's, that's a very permaculture principle. Like where, like, where's my energy going and doing an energy audit of like, what are the activities in my business that are are giving me energy? Where is money flowing in? What are those $10,000 tasks? What are those $10 tasks? And really evaluating those and being, being more clear about that has been really, really helpful and not just like, go, 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 get the work done. Let's, okay, let's slow down a little bit. Let's figure out if I were to design my business on purpose, what would it look like? Where would I actually be spending my time? And so another thing that has been helpful, I think, is associating and, and being involved in communities where people are earning a lot more money. Their goals are way bigger, mm-hmm. like masterminds, like, you know, Mariah Causes Accelerator Program. That was a big investment for me. And, uh, I mean, the fact that I could even ask Ben, like, hey, is it okay if I invest in a $10,000 program? And he didn't bat an eye because he knew we could afford it at that time. Um, that's that's huge. So being able to invest in spaces and places where other people are maybe at a similar level that are kind of thinking and, and working through similar challenges, that definitely shapes your your view of money too. When people are sharing their earnings and it's way bigger amounts than you're ever used to, Okay, like it challenges your idea of what's possible. And and I think that's huge. I think it's important to see models of possibility and, and to see average everyday people that maybe maybe many people don't know who they are online even, but their their earnings are more than some people make in, in a year, in, in a single month. So. Yes, absolutely. Um, as we start to wrap up here, one question that comes to mind for me is, and this has been this has been something I've thought a lot about, uh, thought a lot about as my own business has shifted and purposefully shifted, which is where am I consciously leaving money on the table? Like, where are there places where I know I could make more money if I did this, that or the other thing? But those aren't the things I want to do. Where are you leaving money on the table right now? Oh, probably so many places. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think... 
know, this is something I actually worked with Tanya Geisler on too. Um, I hired her for a VIP day, which was magical and amazing. Um, and I, I wanted to work with her through what do you want, Marie? What do you want truly, deeply? <laughs> What do you want? Which is actually a very difficult question to answer. Um, and so in that process, I realized how much I leave on the table by not finishing, right? Like the course is unfinished. The course is unfinished. It's still unfinished. How long is it going to be unfinished, Marie? Um, and so by not wrapping up pieces of that and making that available on Evergreen, so I don't really market. I mean, I say I don't really, I don't um, consciously market my stuff. I'm kind of like, if you find the course link, you can have it, which is wild. Like imagine if I actually put some effort into it and, and made a funnel, but I've been hesitant because it's, well, it's not finished yet. Right. And so I think that it, that is, can be a way of playing small. Um, it's tempting to want to put all the value into it. Right. So, so that is one way that I think by not finishing, completing things, getting them out, uh, out the door that keeps me from promoting it widely. And that prevents even more money from from coming in the door. So that's a huge place, I think, is I the starting energy is strong. The finishing energy is not so strong. Well, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you could oh, relate to that, that yeah. better myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Marie, what are you excited about right now? I'm excited about stepping into more of a teaching role. I'm excited about the the leverage that is has been created. I'm uh, I'm excited about that, you know, that starting opening energy, that that excitement of starting something new. This feels like something new, and it feels like it it changes every every week, every month. But it's it's all still aligned. Um, there's just a lot, I don't know, there's a lot of excitement, buzzing energy that's happening right now that I'm just excited to like, let's see where this goes. I love that. Marie Poulin, thank you so much for sharing uh, the update, but also <laughs> sharing so much about uh, how you're thinking about how the money flows through the business and what the opportunities are and what the opportunities aren't. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Find out more about Marie Poulin at mariepoulin.com. Next week, you'll hear from Jennifer Patterson, a grief and trauma worker and the founder of Corpus Ritual. Jennifer operates a large portion of her business using sliding scale rates. We talk about accessibility and pricing, clear communication, and why knowing the value of your work doesn't mean your clients have to pay through the nose. Finally, if you're itching for a meaty conversation about money, our rapidly changing economy, and how you fit into it all, please join us for Money and the New Economy. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash money to find out more and grab your ticket. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our production assistant is Kristen Runvik. Find more than 280 conversations with small business owners about what's working, plus our free weekly newsletter on how to build a business that works better at explorewhatworks.com. <laughs>